first snow and look at all you Michiganders. Good job. You made it. You know you're from Michigan when it has to be at least two feet to not go out. And still, can I tell you guys a funny story about Jade and Jordan? Mostly Jordan. Um, they were all like dating and engaged and they're like, we want our first Valentine's. We want to go. Jordan all planned all this special stuff. He's really good with that. If you've met, you know, so they're going to go to Muskegon. And I thought, you know, it's February. It was a lot of snow. And I thought, you know, you haven't really lived in Michigan. And I said, you know, it's going to keep snowing. I really think that maybe you should change your plan. I know. I'm like, like maybe just move it a day. Like it doesn't have to be on that day. He's like, no, I've, I like made the reservations. They went, they had a great time, right? It's good. Well, oh, yeah. so it didn't work, but then Jordan comes, he tries to come back, and there was about this much snow in our driveway, and Jordan's car is about this big. Um, he's on the, the road, and I just look, I was like, ain't going to happen, go back. You know, he he just, he didn't know his mother-in-law very much. I'm like, you're going to have to go knock back on that door and be like, let me in, I got to sleep here. <laughs> so, you know. In his misery wisdom, he found out that, you know, after two feet, you got to stay where you're at, right? So we're good. We're way far from two feet. I'm glad you guys all made it safely. Me and Matt made it safely. We let Lana drive. That was her first time driving in the snow. She did awesome. So um, if you guys remember that with kids, drivers training in the snow, and you're trying to be like, yeah, you can do it. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, like, People who've been driving for 30 years forget the first snow, like how to drive. And they're just like, what should I do? Crash my car. Like, and you're like, you've driven for 30 years. So, but she did great. We got here. Everyone's in one piece. And so first snow. Thank you, Lord, that it was all the way to the 14th, really sticking snow to the 14th of November. And it wasn't October like last year. So, right. There's always something to be thankful for. So which I'm going to talk about being thankful Thanksgiving's coming up. I want to talk about Thanksgiving culture. So we come up and we have Thanksgiving and we like all the food, right? That's what we talk about. We talk about like what we're going to eat. Um, even though it's called Thanksgiving, we're mostly talking about what I'm going to eat. You go to the store, it doesn't look like anyone's thankful. Like they're just taking everything. You wait till the last day before. It's scary. Like you know, you're having spam, and you're going to put it together and mold it into a turkey. I don't know. Um, but, you know, it's all about the food and the family and the friends and getting together and spending time with people, and we look forward to it, right? Do you guys look forward to Thanksgiving? Yeah, because Thanksgiving tells me Christmas is coming. <laughs> I'm a Christmas person. I may or may not have a tree up in my house right now, um, but not. I had to. Little children needed it. They said they needed a tree. They said it with their own words. They did. I may have bought them ornaments to encourage that, but no. But um, no, it's it's just a season that kind of starts off, and and we are we go Thanksgiving, and a lot of times we all come together. We say what we're thankful for. We spend time with family, and it's really good. And then the next day we go back to our busy schedule. It's literally Black Friday with everyone's running around. You know, sometimes it can linger on past Christmas, but usually it's like we get together with family. The next day, it's back to the busyness. It's back to go, 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 get, 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 do, do, do. And that's not what Thanksgiving is about. Thanksgiving in the kingdom is a way of life. Every single day. 
no matter what your circumstances. And I think that is, is hard sometimes to think, think of when we're not in the, we're in a hard spot. It's really one of the main attributes in a believer's life. Without saying that you're a Christian, people will be able to walk up and know you're a Christian because you're thankful. Just by your actions. I mean, really, our lives should start to emulate that we never have to say Christian, Bible, church, God, or anything like that. We could go our whole lives and lead people to Christ almost without going and telling people, I do this or I do that because of the way that we live. Not that, I mean, you should talk about God. I'm not saying no. I'm just saying is it should also be our actions because our actions should be God's character. God, you know, says open my gates with thanksgiving and praise. So thanksgiving should be an attribute of every moment of our life. So I'm going to read to you guys in Psalms 100. If you want to turn there in your paper Bibles or your uh, tech Bibles or whatever you do. But I'm going to read Psalms 104, 5, and it says, Enter with the password. The password, thank you. I love that. Make yourselves at home, talking praise, thank him, worship him. Another translation says, Go through his open gates with great thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise, give thanks to him, and bless his name. And then in 5 it says, For the Lord is always good, he is always loving, he is always kind, and his faithfulness goes on and on to each succeeding generation. I love that. Another generation says, You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise, come right into his presence with thanksgiving, Come bring your thank offering to him. And then you keep going down in five, and at the end it says, to keep, he keeps his promises to every generation. When we enter with thanksgiving, he says, I'm going to keep it to every generation. Not just the generation you're living in, but the generations to come. They open my gates with thanksgiving. I'm going to keep my promises to every generation. So you can be like, I can have confidence that my grandkids... My great-grandkids can come boldly to the throne of God when they open the gates with thanksgiving. And so I read a di- couple different translations there, and he never says enter with pleading, enter with complaining, enter with force, enter with works, but he doesn't even say enter with kindness. He doesn't even say enter with love. Isn't that crazy? We think, oh, we can do it. Love can do anything. God's like, well, it can't get into my inner courts. That's through thanksgiving. That's through being thankful. And so none of that gets you into God's inner courts. You enter with thanksgiving and praise. And so our lives have to, have to look like that. They can't look like complaining or discord or um, all of these things or frustration. Thank you. I love what it says. I think that was the Passion Translation. It says, thank you is the password into the presence. If you're struggling getting into the presence of God, God's presence is always there. But it's kind of like, it's, it's here, but you can step into it and be saturated. So if you, you're always in it, but it's kind of like, I can go into the water and put my toes, and I'm in it. But it's how much more refreshing on a hot day is it to go completely under, be fully surrounded, you know, in the water the Holy Spirit. So that's what God is saying. Enter into the presence, into his promises. It's the key to unlocking signs and wonders and miracles. That's why a lot of people, you know, receive healing, you know, during worship. A lot of people receive answers. God speaks to them during praise and worship. 
because God's like, don't worry about what's going to happen here. You just worship me and I'll worry about how this is going to, how this is going to turn out for you. So in praise, we think about Thanksgiving as a season because we're coming up on this Thanksgiving season. And, but it's not meant to be seasonal. It's not meant to be conditional. It's not meant to be conditioned on your circumstances or, and it's not optional as believers. That's the hard thing. We think things are still optional, that we still should get a choice. And we already gave our choice away. Our choice was Jesus, which is way better. So, you know, when we think, well, I don't have to do this. You don't have to, but, you, but your life isn't yours anymore. So we're, so we're supposed to have a culture of thankfulness in our lives. In 1 Thessalonians, it says, 5, it says, be cheerful no matter what. That's hard. Pray all the time. That's hard, too. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you, who belong in Christ Jesus, to live. Thank God no matter what happens. <laughs> My car broke down. Woo! God, you're so good. I just went through a whole ordeal since September 17th with my vehicle. And there were times that I, you know, was thankful. And But God, in the middle of it, when I spoke to the insurance agent, he goes, why are you being so thankful of this and okay? And like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll get there. He's like, I've never experienced someone like you. Like dealing with like, if anything happened that could go wrong, it did go wrong. And it was just, and it really was just this awesome thing. And at the end, he's like, I know all these things happen, but will you give me a good review still? And I said, sure. I said, you did a great job. It's just life happens. But being thankful no matter what is going on in your life. Doesn't mean that you're not going to have moments of sorrow, but being thankful that, you know, God, you are faithful. Because thankful leads us to that door of gratitude it opens up miracles you know it breathes life into hopeless situations it breathes life into those hopeless situations it is a better way to live it's a better way to live thankfulness is better than bitterness would you guys agree yes no i mean you ever been around be around a bitter person for 30 seconds and you'll be like yep definitely 100 percent faithfulness or thankfulness is better than bitterness. So how many of you guys have, don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you guys really face hopeless situations? You're like, there is no way out of this. Like I have thought every, every avenue, every, every, I've played out every scenario and this situation seems hopeless. Like there's no way out. You know, it could be financial, it could be physical, it could be, you know, relational issues that we have. And we think there's no way out of this. Like it's been like this for too long. And and it's just hopeless, and you just can't see a way out. I think we've all been there at times, and the, but we're still here. So when you think about that and think, yeah, I felt like that, remind yourself, I'm still here. It wasn't hopeless. It wasn't hopeless. It wasn't hopeless. So I'm going to talk about a time that looked really hopeless. We're going to be in John 11, and we're going to read a bunch of the Bible. Is that good with you guys? Can we do that? Can we do that? So um, this is about Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, and of course Jesus. And I'm going to start right in one. And it said, In the village of Bethany there was a man named Lazarus, and his sisters, Mary and Martha. Mary was the one who would anoint Jesus' feet with costly perfume and dry his feet with her long hair. One day, Lazarus became very sick to the point of death. So his sisters sent a message to Jesus, 
Lord, our brother Lazarus, the one you love, is very sick. Please come. When he heard this, he said, This sickness will not end in death for Lazarus, but will bring glory and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. Now, even though Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he remained where he was for two more days. Finally, on the third day, he said to his disciples, Come on, it's time to go to Bethany. Uh, the two, and the disciples said, uh, But teacher, they said to him, Do you really want to go back there? Uh, it was just a short time ago that the people of Judea were going to stone you. Yeah, I'm not going to... So the disciples are like, maybe we shouldn't go there. Jesus replied, are there not 12 hours of daylight in every day? You can go through a day without the fear of stumbling. You can go through a day without the fear of stumbling when you walk in the one who gives light to the world. But you will stumble when the light is not in you, for you will be walking in darkness. So Jesus is basically saying, I'm going, I'm the light. You want to be in darkness or light? Because I'm going this way, follow the light. Then Jesus added, added, Lazarus, our friend, has just fallen asleep. It's time to go wake him up. When they heard this, the disciples replied, Lord, if he's just fallen asleep, then he'll get better. Jesus was speaking about Lazarus' death, but the disciples presumed he was talking about natural sleep. Then Jesus made it plain to them, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm pretty sure Jesus is like, listen up, guys. I'm glad I wasn't there. Because now you have the opportunity to see who I am. So that you will learn to trust in me. Come, let's go see him. So Thomas. Thomas, I think it was like if they had an order, it was like Judas and then Thomas. So Thomas, nicknamed the twin, remarked to the other disciples, let's go so that we can go die with him. <laughs> oh, Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. You know, you guys remember doubting Thomas? Let me stick my hand, my finger in your hand. I don't believe it. You know, he had to see it. And he's like, I don't even, I've been walking with you, Jesus, but I don't think you're right, basically. So... They're preparing to go die. But now when they arrived at Bethany, which was only two miles from Jerusalem, they found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. M many friends of Mary and Martha had come from the region to console them over the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was approaching the village, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, My Lord, if only you had come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that if you were to ask God anything, he would do it for you. Jesus told her, your brother will rise and live. And she replied, yes, I know he will rise with everyone else on resurrection day. So she took her faith and was basically trying to project it on Jesus. How many of you guys know that's not a good thing to do? So she was like, I'm sad, but you know, I know I'll see him again. Jesus. He loves them. Martha, Jesus said, you don't have to wait until them because I am the resurrection and I am the life eternal. Boom, roasted right there. 
anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Then Martha replied, yes, Lord, I do. I've always believed that you are the anointed son of God who has come to the world for us. Then she left and hurried off to her sister Mary and called for her aside from all the mourners and whispered to her, the master is here and he is asking for you. So when Mary heard this, she quickly went off to find him. For Jesus was lingering outside the village at the same spot where Martha met him. Now when Mary's friends who were comforting her, noticed how quickly she ran out of the house. They followed her, assuming she was going to the tomb of her brother to mourn. When Mary finally found Jesus outside the village, she fell at his feet in tears and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. That grief put her into blame and pain and bitterness, right? Even with Jesus, who she loved. Lord, if only you had been here. When Jesus looked at Mary and he saw her weeping at his feet and all of her friends who were with her grieving, he shuddered with emotion. Jesus didn't go, you know, have a little faith. He, he took the same emotion that she felt and it basically made his body shudder with emotion. And he was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. He said to them, where did they bury him? Lord, come with me and we'll show you, they replied. And the tears streamed down Jesus' face. Jesus, we caused many of the mourners to say, look how much he loved Lazarus. Yet others said, isn't that the one who opened the eyes of the blind? Why didn't he do something to keep Lazarus from dying? There it is. Why didn't you do it, Jesus? Jesus, with intense emotion, came to the tomb, a cave with a stone placed over the entrance, and Jesus told them, roll the stone away. Then Martha said, but Lord, it's been four days. By now his body's decomposing. They did not want him to, people to roll that stone away. Jesus looked at her and said, didn't I tell you that if you will believe in me, you will see God's God unveil his power. So they rolled the stone, heavy stone away, and Jesus gazed into there. And this is what he said. This is what he said. Father, thank you. Father, thank you. Is the first things he said. That you have heard my prayer. For you listen to every word I speak. Now so that these who stand here with me will believe that you have sent me to this earth as your messenger. I will use the power you have given me. Then with a loud voice, Jesus shouted with authority, Lazarus, come out of that tomb. Then in front of everyone, Lazarus, who had died four days earlier, slowly hobbled out, still in his grave clothes, tightly wrapped around his hands and feet. He's hobbling out because they bound his hands and feet. And covering his face, Jesus said to them, unwrap them, let him loose. From that day forward, many of those who had come to visit Mary believed in him. For this day, they had seen with their own eyes the amazing miracle. All that was going on, all that was going on, Jesus prayed a simple prayer of thanksgiving. He said, thank you, God, that you are God, basically can do anything. Thank you. Before Lazarus came out of the tomb, he thanked. It wasn't Lazarus ran to Jesus 
And then everyone, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus thanked God before Lazarus even rose. You want things to start happening? You want to see God move? we got to open the gates with thanksgiving. It's got to be a natural part of our lives. It didn't look like there was much to be thankful for. Martha kept saying, four days. You know what happens in four days. Like, there's not much to be thankful for. Even the disciples were like, guess we're going to go die today. Didn't look very hopeful, the whole situation. He's dead. He's been dead. Grief had covered their lives already. And I look, I probably would have been like Mary and been angry. Why didn't you come earlier? God, why didn't you take care of this before I made this mess in my life? You brought this person to me, then you took them out of my life. You know, we blame God, and we think, why did you do this? Or we've been like Martha, it's just too long, you know, God can't work. It's, God can only work after three days. Fourth day is hopeless. Just too far gone, but we'll see him again. I probably, I could, I could have seen myself being like that. I'm going through like these stages. But then you could have been like the friends and questioned, you know, Jesus' devotion to them. Like, wasn't he their friend? Why didn't he do something? Jesus, you're supposed to be my friend. Friends, you know, help each other out. Raise each other from the dead. I don't know. Come heal the sick. Whatever it is. You know, they question their own faith or value to God. Like, well, if you were so valuable to God, why didn't you come before he died? Why didn't you come make him better? Why did you let us go through this grief? You know, because I think, because Jesus is Jesus. He didn't get all like, well, watch what I'm going to do. Wait till you see this. He's just like, you know, do you believe in the Father? Do you believe? Yes, okay, well, let's just, let's walk through this. You know, we might have called for all night of prayer, 24-hour night of prayer, fasting, and trying to force God to wake him up. Get here now, Jesus. We're going to pray until you get here, and you better be on your way. And God, you're going you're gonna to heal him. Just like, well, God already planned to raise him to show his glory. And we think sometimes, and, and those things, it's good. I'm not saying don't pray. I'm saying sometimes we think we're going to make God do it our way. How many has that worked for you guys? Oh, nobody? No? Okay. It hasn't worked for me either. Jesus didn't do any of that. He did cry with them, though. Actually, it says he wept. Crying is different. Crying's like, weeping's like, ah! Ah! you know, it's like intense, right? Crying, you can wipe it away. You can hide it. You, can, oh, you know? And could sniffle it up, but said he wept with them. It's kind of weird. He knew what was going to happen. He knew what God was going to do. And he came into there. He felt the intense grief, and he wept with them. Why did Jesus respond like that when he knew? Sometimes I think about that. Why did you? Why did you do that, Jesus? You could have just been like, "You guys, knock it off, Lazarus. Get up. Come on, we're done doing this." That's probably the way I would have wanted to do it. Like, I'll tell you a story about how I did that one time. And that was, so this little peanut over here, tried to, she tried to give me lots of heart attacks. So she literally, when she was young, she was tormented. Like, she had attacks on her life so bad. And literally things would come and cause fear to the point her heart would stop. And she would just, heart would stop and her eyes would roll back. And she would just fall over like literally from fear the first time was so I called the ambulance because I thought that she broke her neck and because it's one and I went to do CPR and I remember God saying do the chin thrust and I pulled it up 
she breathed. I was like, oh, thank you, Lord, that, you, that I knew CPR. Um, and she was good. But then, so then I took her to the doctor, and they're like, you know, something in her life is just causing this intense fear. And when your body gets so like that, so that your heart doesn't have a heart attack, it shuts everything down and resets. So I'm like, okay. So this happened like a few times, and every time it was really terrifying. It was so terrifying. But after a while, I got used to it, and, you know, we are praying. But we were at church one time. All of a sudden, we're at a big church. I see people running, screaming my name. And they're like, get into the nurse. They're like, people are crying. And I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's happened? My child's in the nursery, and they're dragging me through. Like, and it's packed. Like, and I'm like, getting through. Drag- and I get there, and my child's laying out. And the pastor's over my child. And he's like, I'm freaking out. And I just burst out laughing because I knew what was happening. (laughs) And I said, she's fine. And they're like, she's not breathing. Her eyes are open. She's stiff. Like, we killed your child. I said, and I just walk over. I said, it'll be okay. And I rubbed her chest. I said, get up. And she looked at me. (laughs) And they just looked at me. And I took her hand. I walked out. And they just sat there a while. Then they like, don't bring your kid to nursery. Uh, we can't, our hearts can't take it. But I think that's probably how I would have wanted to respond with that, you know, because that's how I did respond. I would want to been like, oh, gosh, you guys, Lazarus will be fine. Come on out. Get, you know what I mean? I probably would have been like, you know, I'm Jesus. I just move the stone with <laughs> super transcend it. Like, <laughs> right? He didn't do that. He didn't do that. Why did he cry and weep with us? And I look and I and the way God showed showed us right there, his willingness to feel what we feel. His willingness to experience true relationship with us, to grieve alongside us, to show us he will walk with us in the darkest times. When we feel hopeless, God's saying, even though I know there's hope, I'm still going to walk with you. Even when you don't feel it, I'm still going to walk with you. And he did that for Mary and Martha. You know, and it turned out great for them. And it turns out great for us, you know. She's still here. Wasn't welcome back in nursery. So if your kid has that, you pin a note to him or something. Um, so, yeah, so I thought, that is so good. That our creator said, I know what's going to happen, but I want such relationships with you that I'm going to grieve alongside with you. I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to feel it too. And I thought, whew. Because I don't know if you've ever gone through grief. Probably everyone has went through grief in some area. When someone comes alongside of you and grieves with you, does it not begin to bring comfort to your soul? God knew that. He created us. He did that for us. And I thought, that is so good. That's agape love only God can really do. Even at times when we mimic that and, and, and we comfort people, we get that from our Father. So it's, it's, it's a love that only God can, can do. Knowing the outcome of a situation and still wanting to come and walk with us through it no matter how painful, how hopeless it looks, how lost we feel, He wants to be with us. He, went, he wants to go to the dead places of our lives to bring resurrection and restoration and comfort. That's good. Because sometimes the dead places of our lives, nobody else wants to go with us. It's stinky. It's, you know, 
it's over, we think, and we just want to move on. And God's like, we're going to go clean that up. We're going to go wake it up. We're going to restore it to what it should be. And all that, he didn't let that affect what he was going to do. He grieved with that, and it still didn't affect what he was going to do. God didn't say, well, they're already grieving, so I guess, you know, I'm not going to be able to do this miracle today because they're already there, and, you know, I grieve too. No, he didn't let that affect him. He gave thanks in a situation that didn't look like it should receive any. That did not look like, if my friend dies, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm just so thankful. Oh, thank you, God. That's weird, right? If you, if you act like that, we, you need some help. No, no, no. It was, he gave thanks in a situation that looked like it shouldn't receive any. It looked dead. It smelled dead. It felt dead. It looked unrevivable, right? You know, and that was the first time anyone had experienced that. So they don't have nothing. You know, when Jesus came from the tomb, at least, you know, the women were there because they went through it. They're like, oh, yeah, Jesus is coming back. We're going here. We saw this happen. Our brother, it was four days. This is only three. We're good. We're good. So if you look, that even when Jesus rose from the dead, they'd already experienced that. So they knew what to expect. But here in this first time, there was no expectation. God had not done that for them. So in the, it looked like this. Then Jesus turned the key and flung open the gates with thanksgiving. He said, let's just thank God and we're going to see what happens. He made room for God to show his glory. That was Jesus' whole intent of this whole um, experience. God, He said, I want it to look so hopeless so you can see God's glory so magnified. I'm going to restore it, not just a little bit. It's going to be so amazing that no one can deny that I was sent by my Father. No one can deny that there is a God who loves them. We're going to make it big. It's not just going to be a little tea party. It's going to be big that's what god did he said fling it open open that with thanksgiving make room show god his glory you know and when we pray we pray a lot right we talk to god we pray a lot that's really good it's wonderful we need to we should that's expected we should pray but i think sometimes we we do it backwards and we wonder why is this not working god you know we give thanks but we should give thanks for the answer and the provision so a lot of times we pray like this Lord, just bring healing to this body. That's great. You know, I need healing. Lord, provide for me. I need this. Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, you know, give me favor. Lord, protect me. Are those all good things to pray? Yes. Should you be praying those? Yes, you should. God says he'll do that. But what if we first opened to the inner courts where God's promises are and we said, Lord, thank you that I'm healed. Thank you that you are a healer. Lord, thank you that you meet all of my needs according to your riches and glory. Lord, thank you that you poured wisdom out on me. Thank you for direction. Lord, thank you for grace when I'm stupid. (laughs) That one's extra. Thank you for keeping me safe. There's the key to enter into his presence. And when you get in there, you thank him. You're like, Lord, heal this part of my body. Thank you. I know you're a healer. Thank you. I know you can do it. Lord, thank you that you are healing that. And we begin to pray differently. That's what Jesus did. He didn't tell Lazarus. He didn't lay hands on him and say, get up, come out. You're healed. I'm healing you. Lord, please heal Lazarus. He didn't say any of that. 
He said, thank you, Lord, that you already did it. Thank you that you did it. That's where it starts. That opens the door. And then put all those prayers in there. And God's like, oh, now I got it. He's just in there working it all together. Working it all together. Too many times we're just like whipping prayers at the door. It's shut. Why is nothing happening? And God's like, well, do you want to open the gates? It's a lot easier, you know, to come in. A lifestyle, an atmosphere, a culture of thanksgiving will change the way. I'm not saying, guess what? Bad things are still going to happen. I'm going to tell you that right now. But it changes the way that we hear from God and we changes the way that we walk in our life. Breakthrough comes when we open those gates, the overflow of God's presence. And I know it is definitely easier to give thanks when things are going well, right? It is really good. When we're sitting at a Thanksgiving table and we got all those good foods in front of us, it is really easy to be thankful, right? We're in a warm house. We got what we need. We're eating to the point that we're in pain and we have to wear sweatpants, you know, and we have to take a nap, you know, after. I mean, it's easy in those times to be like, thank you, Lord, that you provided for my needs. It's much harder when things are going all wrong. So I was thinking of the Last Supper. And we did communion today because I was thinking about that. We come together. Thinking of the Last Supper. What was, Jesus knew then what was coming. He knew, that, he knew they were having a good time, breaking bread together. You know, eating together was like a celebration that they did. That was an important part. So that he knew that they would be coming for him, that he would be taken, that he would be tortured, that his body was broken, but he chose to celebrate Passover with the disciples. If you know bad things are happening to you tomorrow, are you going to, a lot of, we're going to be worried about that. We're going to be thinking, how can I get out of this? How can I get away from this? You know, um, but he, he chose to celebrate Passover and give thanks in that time right before he had to go to the cross. So when we face situations where our strength is gone and it seems like our hope cannot be found, when depression hovers over us and sadness seems to cover us, we have to grab those keys of thanksgiving and just fling those gates open wide into God's presence, his promises, his provision, his protection, his comfort and grace. We got to enter in there. It may not change your circumstance at all. I cannot guarantee you that I'm not God, but it will bring his promises, his comfort, his grace, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. I've spent many seasons in my life or days prolonging hard times because of my own lack of knowledge of thanksgiving and praise i've spent times seasons in my life that i have prolonged the hard times myself because i didn't know that god opens the gates with thanksgiving and praise praise and i for some reason thought he opened them with complaining you know and bitterness and all it didn't work and i'm like oh and then i stayed there way longer than i should have but jesus gave thanks during grief And Jesus gave thanks before and during suffering. Before and during and grief.
Because Thanksgiving doesn't miraculously remove trials and pain from our lives. It doesn't. Just because you wake up and say, thank you, God, for this day, doesn't mean nothing bad will happen. It doesn't do that. But what Thanksgiving does, it empowers us to endure, to cling to hope, the hope of our calling, which is in Christ Jesus. When bad things happen, say, God, I don't like this. But thank you that you are God, you are good, and you have a way through. You will give me strength when I am weak. You will deposit hope when my hope bank is empty. Because that's what we were created to do, to cling to hope of our calling. And our calling is nowhere else except in Christ Jesus. Every single person that has ever been born on this earth, whether they accept it or not, their calling is in Christ Jesus. And that's why our calling is in Christ Jesus, because God says your calling is connected to their calling, which is connected to their calling, because you're go out, you're to go out and preach the good news that Jesus has come. He has come for the lost. He has come for the dead. He has come for the broken, and He is going to restore that. And so your hope of the calling is: it doesn't matter if your body is broken. It doesn't matter if your finances, you know, are being attacked. It doesn't matter, you know. What's going on? He says the hope of your calling is in Christ Jesus. And that means your calling is to preach the gospel, spread it as you walk, and walk in your lives with thanksgiving and praise to the one and only King of kings, Lord of lords. That is it. That's it. All the other stuff, go through it. You're going to have sorrow, but you can go through it with thanksgiving. We've lost people in our lives. It is sad, right? When you lose somebody you love, but how much better when God comes through with you. You say, thank you, Lord, for the time I had. Thank you, Lord, for what they deposited into my life. That is why Thanksgiving is so important. Because if you lose that hope, you stay in that, that place of grief and pain. And you see people who've lived in grief and pain their whole life because they didn't know to be thankful. Thank you, Jordan. They didn't know to, to lay out that thanksgiving and say, God, it is painful. And he says, I know I grieve with you, but there is a hope and we're going to get through this. It's actually going to add to your life. It's going to add to the testimony. And it is going to add to the kingdom because you walked through it with thanksgiving. You are adding to the kingdom. You are opening up so people can see your life. And they say, I want a life like that. And you say, let me introduce you to Jesus. The only reason I walk the way I walk, I talk the way they talk, that I can be thankful in terrible circumstances is because there was a man named Jesus and over 2,000 years ago he came and he, he said, I will die for humanity that anyone who calls in my name will be saved. I will pay for every sin, every pain in that they cause. I will pay for it. All they have to do is call on my name and they shall be saved and they will come into the kingdom. That is your calling whatever job you are, wherever you're at. Your social workers, your social workers for Christ. You work in factories, you're a factory worker for Christ. You work in technology, you need that extra for Christ because it's hard. You know, you're a salesman, you are selling Christ. You're saying, hey, here it is. And guess what? When it comes to get the bill, there is nothing. It is free. <laughs> you work in the school, 
You work there for Christ. That is your call. I'm a librarian for Christ. That is it right there. You know, that is everything is in Christ. So I'm asking you guys, think about changing that and making that the culture that Thanksgiving will be not just a feeling or an action or even the atmosphere here and there, that it will become a culture in our lives, that it is just so natural that we come in with thanksgiving and praise. All right, let's pray right now and let's thank God for his goodness. How's that sound?